Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. Cats and kittens are. This is Sports Crunch with DCROM. I'm your host, David Cromwell. And last week, the NFL as we know it returned because there were fans in the stands and it couldn't have returned in a better way. It kicked off with another Tom Brady last second game winning drive and it concluded with one of the wildest endings to a game you'll ever see on Monday night in Vegas. The football gods couldn't have scripted week one any better, could they, Hal Ben? They could not have. They wanted entertainment. Uh, People were starving for it, and they got it. And so many great games. And, I mean, oh, Cleveland, Kansas City, unbelievable. Oh, it was just, it was just, as you said, you know, the fans were back in the stands. The fans were back in front of their TVs and devices. Everybody was ready for some great football, and we got a ton of it in week one. We most certainly did. What was your biggest takeaway from week one, Hal? Uh, Biggest takeaway, I think, is, you know, we have to look at it as uh, some of those surprises, you know. It's so easy to come into a new season and say, well, let me look at what happened last year. Okay, you know, uh, Buffalo was great. Josh Allen's going to be great. Pencil it in. It's going to happen again. Houston, it's a mess. They're going to stink. Pencil it in, all in 17. And, you know, the, the game just comes, and, and every week there's just something, you know, like if you had told us, if we had talked last week and, and you had said, Hal, I can't decide if Kyla Murray's going to throw five touchdowns, uh, have five touchdowns, or James Winston. And I said, eh, they're both going to, you know, they'd lock us up. So what a week. What a week indeed, and lots of surprises, and nice call on that upset special of the Steelers beating the Buffalo Bills, Hal. And I am going to talk about the Los Angeles Chargers. In their hard-fought win over the Washington football team, they proved that they are not the same old Chargers because they were able to close a very close game in the fourth quarter. They got a bona fide franchise quarterback adjusted Herbert, who is well on his way to solidifying himself as one of the five best quarterbacks in this game right now. And a new head coach at Brandon Staley, who's helping pioneer a defensive revolution across the NFL. And uh, that wasn't the only impressive part of that win. Check, check this out on third down, Justin Herbert was 13 of 16 for 160 yards, 11 first downs, a lot of them to Keenan Allen and a touchdown. And according to Pro Football Focus, no offensive line allowed a lower pressure rate than the newly revamped Chargers offensive line. Uh, It was a pressure rate of 12%, and it was against the best defensive line in football. And how about Rashawn Slater? I don't think any rookie had a more impressive debut in week one than Rashawn Slater did. He just looked like a future All-Pro locking down Chase Young, just like he did when he was in college at Northwestern and he faced off against Chase Young at Ohio State. And just look at that first drive, not just in the passing game was Rashawn Slater factor, but in the running game. He made his presence felt immediately in that game. Uh, he sprung a lot of big runs on that first drive, including the Austin Eckler touchdown run. This is an entirely different Chargers team than we used to see in in recent years. And I fully expect them to stay in the race for the AFC West division crown until the very, very end. Watch out chiefs. Great call, David. Rashawn Slater looked like a current pro bowler. I mean, my goodness, he was, uh, I mean, absolutely fantastic. Um, You know, just, just a man among boys out there. And he was going up, like you said, against uh, one of the better pass rushers of the NFL. Indeed. And now it's time to play our favorite game, truth or exaggeration. You know how this works, Hal. I make a statement and you tell me whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why. And we start with the NFC West, where all four teams in that division will make the playoffs. Truth or exaggeration? You know... They're going to beat up on each other is the only way I would go with the exaggeration because coming into this season, that was by far the strongest division. I mean, just unquestionable uh, strongest division in the league. I thought, 
And the way that all of those, you know, the only team you had the question mark on was, well, Seattle might backslide a little, but that defense for Seattle, I mean, oh, Carlos Dunlop, Benson Maoa, Rasheem, Rasheem Green, Daryl Taylor, future star, budding in front of us. I mean, just in the backfield, causing chaos. They looked fantastic. Um, you know, Arizona, we, we, I mean, Kyle Murray, Chandler Jones, you, I mean, this, it was just an unbelievable performance. So, no, I mean, I, I'm, my notes from Sunday say the West is the best. So <laughs> I, I can say that could definitely be a truth and not an exaggeration. Uh, the, the NFC West, heck, I'll throw the AFC West out there right back at you, David. I mean, yeah, that's uh, that might be the only division that can challenge the NFC West for, with saying everybody is making the playoffs because they look just as good. Yep, all West teams won. NFC West, AFC West, a combined 8-0 and in week one. And we stick with both divisions in our second truth or exaggeration. Justin Herbert and Matthew Stafford will be among the top three finalists for 2021 NFL MVP honors. Well, um, we're going to say Mahomes is going to be there. So, you know, <laughs> it's kind of, is there anybody else that's going to sneak in there? Well, Justin Her Herbert. Um, I'll say that's a little of an exaggeration. We might see some slowdown there and, and, you know, um, this is guy in Green Bay who may still yet turn this around a lot quicker than people expect after this shocking first week performance. And, and there's another guy in Tampa Bay that uh, looked 20 years younger than his age out there on the field. So I'll give that one a little exaggeration, but pretty close to a truth right there. Yes. It's going to be very interesting to see the, uh, Young Tigers, the old Lions, and those in between a quarterback who all are going to have great years. They're going to make this MVP field more crowded than ever, maybe. And going back to another quarterback that you mentioned, Kyler Murray has already proven himself to be a legit NFL franchise quarterback. Truth or exaggeration? Um, that is, you know, it. I try not to overreact after week one. I really, really do try not to overreact, but he's, he's so close to trending in that right direction. Um, you know, we, we saw solid rookie year, you know, improved everything across the board. Touchdowns went up, um, you know, more attempts, same number of interceptions. So, you know, everything was trending in the right direction. I think he's close. I, I, you know, I think he could get there this year, but I'll say a little bit of an exaggeration. I'm not sold yet. I mean, it, look, it took me till week nine to buy into Josh Allen last year. So, you know, I'm going to give Kyle Murray a little extra time here too. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. Although um, last Sunday leaves me personally optimistic about Kyler Murray becoming that franchise quarterback because not only did he make plays with his feet, and he's an absolute cheat oh, code with yeah. his feet, uh, oh. he made some great plays from the pocket too. Outstanding anticipatory throws, including a, a, a certain pass to Christian Kirk. That was beautiful, as Mark Schofield pointed out. Kyler Murray, he's definitely trending in that right direction. He just has to keep it up for these next several weeks to really solidify that status. And on to Jacksonville, where Urban Meyer will only last one season as Jaguars head coach. Truth or exaggeration? Hey, he could be at USC by the weekend, you know? <laughs> I'm not going to say that's an exaggeration right there. Um, you know, I'm not sure. He doesn't seem too happy with the way things are going, but I, I'll give him a year. Took, what, Nick Saban, eh, he didn't hang around long either, now that I think about it, but uh, he did last the year. So, um, But yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's a truth. I, I don't think he's looking like a very good fit for transitioning to the NFL game. And, and that's nothing against Urban Meyer. You know, I mean, there are some coaches who are cut out for college and there's some that are cut out for the pros and there's, 
you know, we've certainly seen plenty of pro coaches go to the college level and not be able to thrive and uh, college coaches who, you know, uh, Chip Kelly, just such a better fit uh, in that game and in that environment. So um, yeah, maybe we'll see, but I, I'd say that's closer to a truth. I could very much see the Urban Meyer experience last one year or less and would not be surprised at all. And moving on to a team just north of Jacksonville, it is time to talk about the Atlanta Falcons as a serious candidate to have the number one overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I I really don't want to overreact. I really thought Arthur Smith has done some great things uh, as an offensive coordinator, and I am shocked at the way that offense looked last week. I'm shocked at the way that that a Dean Pease defense looked. It just did not look right, but I think that's a team that is going to figure it out and turn it around. Uh, on both sides of the ball and be a little bit better. So I'll go exaggeration. I, I don't think Atlanta's as bad as they looked. I still think they're a five or a six win team at the best, but you know, I don't think, uh, I don't think they, I think there's going to be a lot of te- a couple of teams, a lot worse than they are. And uh, they should be safe from that. Number one, top 10 pencil them in, but top one, no. <laughs> <laughs> And the team that beat the Falcons, the Philadelphia Eagles, will be serious contenders for a wild card playoff spot this season. Truth or exaggeration? Serious contender for the wild card? No, there's going to be wild card teams with two or three more wins than the NFC East leader again this year, I'm afraid. Um, so I think <laughs> playoffs, yeah, they'll be a contender because that NFC East, um, you know, the Giants still have a lot of work to do. Uh, the Cowboys on the best performance that they have, you know, uh, I still don't believe in that defense. I worry about injuries on that offensive line and, you know, Washington, they're down to Tyler Heineke. So the division's wide open. I'll say Philadelphia is definitely a contender for winning the East, but as far as a wild card, there's no wild cards coming out of the East, David. So that's the exaggeration part of it. That's a very good way to put it, Hal. And back to that uh, Browns-Chiefs game that you alluded to earlier. Even though they didn't come away with the win, the way the Browns played the Chiefs last week bodes extremely well for their chances in a potential playoff rematch at Arrowhead, especially when the weather will likely benefit their physical brand of football more. Truth or exaggeration? Definitely a truth. I mean, you can come out of a game and lose that and still come out with confidence that hey, we should have beaten these guys. We lost the game. They didn't beat us. And I think that's how a lot of people in the Browns locker room are feeling right now, you know, and this is going to stick with them. And, you know, it may be long-term for the season, the best thing to keep them motivated, uh, keep their eyes on the prize and, and know that they let one slip away. And know when they're, you know, come uh, January, when they're uh, traveling there to Arrowhead, you know, they can, they can trade punches with Kansas City, their defense, their physical offense. They did everything right for a good portion of that game. And, you know, sometimes I always say, you know, watching Patrick Mahomes is like watching Peyton Manning with when he was with Indianapolis or Denver, they could be down 30 to three. It made no difference. You knew they were going to get on track and they were going to come back. And that's just the way those guys are built. You know, yeah. I mean, it, you, it's just the same thing. You see, there's no, there's no die in those dogs. They're coming at you and they're not going to stop. And you just hope that the clock runs out before they finish you off. Because, you know, if you play six quarters, they don't lose, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so for Cleveland, all the way back to your question, David, yes, definitely. Uh, they're coming out of this and they're feeling like we can beat this team on the road in January. No doubt about it in 53 guys' heads right now. Yeah. And you said it anyways. No lead is safe against Patrick Mahomes. None. Zilt. 
zilch, nada. No lead is safe against a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. That's how special Patrick Mahomes is. And uh, the Browns uh, were only up by nine, and that's peanuts of a deficit compared to most other quarterbacks in the league. So uh, definitely not, not a surprise what Patrick Mahomes was able to do last Sunday. And another uh, intriguing stat from week one. In 2020, the play action rate for Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans, 36.4% under Arthur Smith. But now with Arthur Smith gone and Todd Downing now calling the plays, the play action rate on Sunday against the Cardinals, 11.6%. The Tennessee Titans offense will be one of the NFL's biggest disappointments in 2021. Truth or exaggeration? I'm going to go exaggeration. I think they're... uh you know, go to look at that and they're going to see, you know, what did we do wrong and how do we get on track? And if you've got Derrick Henry at running back, you know, you've got to get that play action game going. And, you know, it wasn't just Tennessee. Um, I thought Buffalo fell into that same trap last week as well. Buffalo was one, an, another team that was very, very high play action pass. Uh, and they, for some reason, got away from that last week and that really I think that really affected Josh Allen more than anything I mean yes he was under tremendous pressure but they weren't running the ball they weren't setting up the play action and that really affected the Buffalo offense as well Tennessee same thing you know that's that has to be part of Ryan Tannehill's game you have to build that in and I think we're going to see a lot more of the play action and we're going to see that Tennessee offense uh, slowly round into form here uh, sooner rather than later, because there's just too many talented players on that team for them to look that bad week after week. The Ryan Tannehill fantasy owner in me hopes you are right there, Hal. And now <laughs> let's begin a brand new segment of our weekly NFL previews here on sports crunch. And it's called this or that. And in this segment, uh, we debate who is more impressive or who over who is uh, the most likely to do this and why. Starting with defensive performances in week one. Who had the more impressive defensive performance in week one? The Pittsburgh Steelers or the Arizona Cardinals? Ooh, that's a toughie. They had a... <laughs> yeah, there was more turnover in Tennessee. So I'm going to say Pittsburgh a little bit more impressive there just because of what Buffalo did last year. And they're basically returning that entire offense. Um, so, yeah, very, very impressive. And for Pittsburgh as well, you know, this, this defense didn't look like the same Pittsburgh defense that they roll out every week for 25 years. Um, you know, there was definitely some off-season adjustments by Pittsburgh. So I think that makes it uh, a little more impressive there. So. Yes. And let's go to fantasy football for a second. And the San Francisco 49ers running back situation. Yesterday, Raheem Mostert announced that he decided to undergo season-ending knee surgery. So who is the best bet to be the main running back for the 49ers going forward? Trey Sermon or Elijah Mitchell? Well, you know, the fantasy fan in me is saying Trey Sermon since he's sitting on my bench where I just moved Mostert to injured reserve. So um <laughs> uh, i would really like it to be sermon but um you know there was again i mean he wasn't even active so how much faith do they have in san francisco there um for sermon to to step in i mean elijah mitchell you know you can't have any complaints about how he performed last week so um if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm rolling with the hot hand and, and I'm saying, you know, Mitchell is the way to go. And <laughs> until proven otherwise, I think you just ride Mitchell. Yes, that's exactly how the 49ers brass feels about the young running backs they have as well. And now on the head coaches on the hot seat, which head coach has the hotter seat, Mike Zimmer or Matt Nagy? Well, I'm going to say Zimmer because Nagy's got his built-in excuse. He's he's got he can go to management and say, "Hey, I had to protect my quarterback, our first-round pick. I'm rolling with Dalton. I'm taking one for the team right now. Don't hold 2021 against me here." 
It's not my fault our first-round pick quarterback wasn't ready to go, and I can't just throw Justin Fields out there. So he's got a little more rope. Um, you know, I'm sure you'll say, unfortunately, he has a little more rope, David. <laughs> <laughs> But um, so, yeah, so he's got a, a little more rope and higher expectations for Mike Zimmer. I mean, I love Mike Zimmer. He goes all the way back to his days with Bill Parcells. And you see that, um, you know, in his style of coaching, um, a little bit of that Parcells nastiness. But, you know, he, he seems to be one of those guys that it's it's always, you know, I had a great game plan. The players just didn't do what I told them to do. They didn't do it right. And, you know, that starts wearing at you after a while. And, and if you've got that, you know, if you're the, coming in as that defensive genius and you're, what were they, second, third from worst defense in points allowed last year, and then they go and they get steamrolled by Cincinnati here in week one, that seat isn't hot. That seat's on fire from Mike Zimmer right now. Yeah, especially considering how long he's been in Minnesota. This is, I believe, his eighth or ninth season there. And back to quarterbacks. Who was the more impressive quarterback in week one? Dak Prescott or Derek Carr? Ooh, that is a good one. I mean, I mean, they were both impressive as far as i'm concerned you know we everybody was kind of on eggshells around deck there was the, oh is it the shoulder missed so much time and you know he came back looked like he didn't miss a step uh, i i'm gonna give you know i'm gonna say Dak only because you know he missed so much of last year and you really weren't sure but i don't want to take anything away from Carr because he basically picked that team up on his back and just kept going and going and going. And he got no help from Josh Jacobs in that running game and all that money they're paying for all those running backs. And they didn't give him anything. And it was all Derek Carr all night long. So uh, I'm going to give Dak a little edge, but not discount Carr at all. That's a more than fair analysis, Hal. And speaking of Dak Prescott, he and his Cowboys traveled to Los Angeles to take on Justin Herbert and the Chargers, and that is one of our two games of the week. And do you think at season's end, we will be talking about both Justin Herbert and Dak Prescott being among the top five quarterbacks in the NFL? Um, yeah, I mean, top five's a little high, I think. I mean, they're both, you know, uh, around the top 10 level right now. I'm not sure who's going to drop out of that top five to allow us to, to let them sneak in. So um, kind of hard to say top five, but yeah, they're going to be right up there. There's no doubt about it. Yes, at least be in the conversation is my point. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Definitely in the conversation. Yes, and this uh, is arguably the best quarterback matchup of the weekend, and uh, that's why we are previewing this game and the following game in depth. And uh I talked about the Chargers at the beginning of the program, and I didn't mention Derwin James. He was oh, back with yeah. vengeance oh. last Sunday. He earned the highest coverage grade from pro football focus. And as you know, in the Brandon Staley, Vic Fangio defense, safety is arguably even more important than corner. What makes Derwin James such the ideal safety for this defense, and why is he so indispensable to this Chargers team? I mean, Derwin James just does it all. I mean, there's nothing that he can't do on that defense. You need him to match up with a slot corner? No problem. He's got the length to handle it. You want him to come up and play in the box as an extra defender and stop the run? No problem. He's got the size. He's tough enough. He can take on these blockers. No problem. You want to have him, uh, you know, back and playing more of a free safety? No problem. He's got the instincts and the speed. He is what ever they need on defense he can fill that role in any way he's not a you know he he isn't a safety he's in everything he's he's a football player and it doesn't matter where you put him you know i mean you could say they don't use him enough blitzing because of his blitzing ability and his ability to that 
closing speed and getting at the quarterback like Seattle's done. I mean, with Adams, I mean, you could use Jerwin James that way as well. I wouldn't have a problem with him at all. He'd excel at that. He was great in college at blitzing. So uh, I mean, he just, he does it all. And, and we saw last year what happens without him on that defense. And, and that was, you know, part of the struggles that they had. Yes, and uh, you're going to see his uh, impact. Uh, please keep him healthy, um, uh, football gods. He's, he's so fun to watch. Uh, next week, uh, when they travel to Arrowhead to play the Chiefs, uh, I believe they're going to use him uh, to erase Travis Kelsey by putting him on Travis Kelsey for most of the game. And in this week, he'll probably patrol the middle of the field to spy Dak and uh, keep an eye on him to make sure he doesn't run and and stuff like that. So it depends on the matchup. He's a matchup specific player and he could do it all. As you said, that's what makes him so special. And it is so, so awesome to see him back in action and doing great things for the chargers and for the game of football in general. And on to the Cowboys, not only did they lose a heartbreaker to the bucks on opening night, they also lost wide receiver, Michael Gallup for three to five weeks or so due to a calf strain and right tackle Lyle Collins to a five game suspension for violating the NFL substance abuse policy, whose absence will be felt more in this game and why? Oh, definitely Collins. I mean, Dallas has to block, you know, you're not going to get Zeke Elliott going without that blocking up front. You've got to take care of Dak. You've got to keep him protected. And, you know, they, you just don't have a, Collins level replacement behind them. They're just automatically weakened at that point. Um, Gallup, great, you know, but Dallas can go to more two tight end sets if they need to. They can utilize Tony Pollard out of the backfield in the passing game more. Cedric Wilson um, definitely stepped up some last week as well. So I, Gallup is much easier, I think, to replace than, than Collins in that uh, Cowboys offense. Definitely agree. And uh, that takes us to our key matchups and picks for this game. And that first matchup that came to mind, Terrence Steele, who will get the start at right tackle instead of Lyle Collins going up against Joey Bosa. They'll probably have to keep an extra tight end to help uh, block Joey Bosa. Yeah, definitely. They've got to get that chip game going and, you know, make contact with Bosa every play. I mean, just drill that into, um, you know, whether it's the tight ends, whether it's a back, whoever it is, you know, you've got to slow him down uh, and give Dak time there because that is one heck of a mismatch there. And, you know, we saw it last week, you know, pass rushers made their impact uh, felt throughout the league. Um, there were lots of games with lots of premium pass rushers spending a lot of time in the backfield that caused a lot of these games to be changed and not turn out the way we kind of expected them to. So, yeah, uh, Joey Bosa, that's a huge matchup there, David, definitely. And... It just got worse for the Cowboys. Ian Rappaport just reported that Demarcus Lawrence broke his foot today in practice and is out indefinitely. And Randy Gregory, your other pass rusher, is on the reserve COVID-19 list. How are the Cowboys going to be able to pressure Justin Herbert, especially against Rashawn Slater, who looked like a current all-pro last week against J.C. Young and the Washington football team? And, and, you know, Demarcus Lawrence had such a great game last week against a strong Tampa Bay front there as well. I mean, Lawrence was, you know, just uh, in the run game, in the pass game, he looked fantastic. He looked, you know, fresh. And to have this happen is just heartbreaking for the Cowboys. And like you said, I mean, I don't know how you're going to get (laughs) <laughs> you just don't replace that. You know, you're down your two best pass rushers and there's not a lot left in the, in the cupboard coming around the edge here. So for Dallas, um, you I know, think that's, this means that's more Michael a, Parsons on the edge. Yeah. I think you're going to have to do that. And, you know, um, because I don't think that that secondary is going to hold up in this matchup. You know, if, if you're given way too much time 
you know, for Herbert to be back there uh, surveying the field, he'll just pick you to pieces if there's no pass rush. It'll, it'll get ugly quick. Oh, yes. And Keenan Allen should have a field day against that secondary, should he? Exactly. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, you know, well, that's uh, we saw Jared Cook looked really good last week as well. So uh, there's still a lot of pass rushers. And, you know, on the on the fantasy angle, you know, you can always include Austin Eckler more. He's in my lineup. So, you know, (laughs) yes. Yes. And uh, after that, Demarcus Lawrence injury, uh, I thought that this was going to be a close game, like 31, 27. But I feel very confident right now that uh, the Chargers are going to pull away rather comfortably in the end. The Cowboys and Dak will keep it competitive throughout most of the game, let's say two and a half quarters or so, but then the Cowboys defense wears down and Justin Herbert and the Chargers uh, march their way to a 35-21 win. I have to agree with that. I had this as a very close game. I thought, you know, uh, Dak would find a way to, to, to make this into a... Uh, you know, really be able to air it out here and, and keep it real close. I had it originally uh, the Chargers 33 to 30 over Dallas. I thought Dallas would be a little bit surprising on on the offensive side. So, um, but again, that that loss for Dallas, losing you know ugh, Lawrence today. I mean that that definitely has to affect that. So um, I'm gonna. Uh, take a touchdown off the board and I'm going to go Chargers 34 Dallas 24 and now on to the Sunday night football game with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs traveling to Baltimore to take on Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and the Baltimore Ravens if you think the Cowboys have had bad injury luck this year the Baltimore Ravens would like a word as well and several were obviously voice concerns at the decimation of the Ravens running back core with J.K. Dobbins, Justice Hill, and Gus Edwards all suffering season-ending injuries. But Monday night made it clear that it is the season-ending injury to Marcus Peters, not those to the aforementioned running backs that is really hurting the Ravens and hurting them hard. Just how difficult will it be for the Ravens to overcome the loss of Marcus Peters? Yeah, I mean, that that was the surprising thing I thought with, you know, just watching Vegas go up and down the field and, and, you know, Marlon Humphrey was dinged up, but got back in the game. But the rest of that secondary I thought was just did not, I mean, you know, no Marcus Peters, no Jimmy Smith. Um, It was just a one man show. It was find Marlon Humphrey and throw the ball somewhere else. And that's all they had to do the, you know, that, uh, I mean, Baltimore, it seems like, you know, the way that they draft and develop and find these players, you just expect that next guy up, they're going to plug in a young player in the secondary and he's going to thrive. And it, it just hasn't happened this year. It, it, they just don't have the depth that the players, you know, for whatever reason, you know, uh, they're just not at that next level. And, and you've, you're absolutely correct. We're seeing that with Baltimore on the uh, you know, on the secondary and I thought on the offensive line as well uh, some oh, struggles yeah. there that I did not expect to see ever out of a Baltimore Ravens team um, you know Ronnie Stanley back a little bit of rust um, but you know a villain waiver on the on the right side was a turnstile he you know, I, I think there were a lot of people in Pittsburgh kind of laughing, saying, uh, boy, did they not watch any tape of you know, <laughs> the last two years because uh, we saw that coming. And so, yeah, so so for for Baltimore, I mean, that that's scary to have those offensive line problems and have that uh, secondary not up to speed with Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City Chiefs pass rush coming here this week. You said it, and one of the key elements of this Ravens defense under Don Week Martindale is to blitz with reckless abandon, and what allows them to blitz with reckless abandon is having two or three legit lockdown corners with uh, Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey and Jimmy Smith, but you take one of those corners away, it becomes infinitely more difficult to blitz with reckless abandon as you want. Exactly. Great point there. And, and again, now with two of them out, that's, you know, 
a recipe for disaster. And you certainly don't want to see Patrick Mahomes uh, lining under center across the field from you in that situation. Yes, but if there's any hope for the Ravens to pull off the upset in this game, it's that the Browns were able to muster 153 yards on the ground against the Chiefs last week. Should that alone give the Ravens more confidence that they actually can pull off the upset here? Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the formula that you've got to have for the Chiefs when you play the Chiefs is that you've your best bet is to limit those possessions for Kansas City. You keep their point total down by limiting their possessions. And, you know, I mean, Balt, I mean, Cleveland had done a great job of that. Uh, you know, you know, Patrick Mahomes can't hurt you if he's standing on the sidelines. Uh, that's basically your offense is playing defense. You control the ball. You have these long drives, but you've got to convert those long drives, not just into points, but into touchdowns as well. And, uh, finish those drives, control the clock. So, yeah, I mean, a team like Baltimore, they definitely always have a chance. Um, you know, the, Lamar Jackson, the running game, if you can get that rolling and result and get, turn that into touchdowns, you definitely have a chance against Kansas City. Um, that's, that's the blueprint right there. Yes, keep Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines indefinitely is the only way the Ravens with their decimated secondary can pull off the upset on Sunday night. We are simpatico there. Boop, 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 boop. We just sounded the simpatico alert, and we might sound it more <laughs> later on in this episode. Uh, what key matchups are you looking for Sunday night in Baltimore? Baltimore, it's going to come down to blocking up front. And, you know, Chris Jones, they should have Frank Clark back in Kansas City as well. Um, you know, Jaron Reed in the middle of that defense now. If they can, you know, if they can't control the line of scrimmage against the Chiefs, it's going to be a long, long night. So, you know, I'm looking at that Baltimore offensive line and, you know, you, you figure Ronnie Stanley's going to pull his weight there and, and Kevin Zeitler, those kind of guys, but it's everybody else, the Bradley Bozeman's, the Ben Cleveland's, uh, Villanueva, we talked about. Uh, th those guys have got to open the holes, protect the quarterback, um, because when Baltimore does need to throw the ball and they're going to have to at some point, uh, you know, you've got to protect your quarterback there as well. And, and Kansas City, uh, they can get after the quarterback. So uh, let's dig right down in those trenches. That's where that game's going to be. Um, you know, any chance of slowing Mahomes, that's where it's going to start. Indeed. And let's reverse sides of the line of scrimmage for a second. Kansas City Chiefs rookie center Creed Humphrey had a very impressive debut against a very solid Browns interior defensive line. In 41 pass blocking snaps, he allowed no pressures and obviously no sacks. Creed Humphrey could be the underrated glue that holds the Chiefs offensive line together. It keeps Patrick Mahomes upright for the next decade, so to speak. Uh, Creed Humphrey, I thought, was one of the steals of the draft when he was picked. And it's criminal that the Chiefs got him because they just improved the protection around Patrick Mahomes so, so, so much. And he is at the center of that improvement. And him going up against Calais Campbell, Brandon Williams, those big Buddhas in the middle of the Ravens defensive line, uh, that is going to be very crucial because uh, either Calais Campbell or Brandon Williams are going to have to win matchups against Creed Humphrey or Joe Tooney or, or Trey Smith all game long and getting Patrick Mahomes' face right away to have any chance at an upset. Uh, who do you like in this game? Oh, I, I'm going with the Chiefs. And as much as I'd like Baltimore to be able to keep it close, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, Baltimore at full strength, maybe, but Baltimore right now, just not going to happen. I've got the Chiefs winning it pretty handily here on Sunday night, 38 to 20. There's the simpatico alert again. We are simpatico here. I definitely agree. The Chiefs were able to beat the Ravens pretty handily last year on Monday Night Football when the Ravens were pretty much at full strength. And now a banged up Ravens team, it's going to be the same result. Um, Chiefs uh, 35, Ravens uh, 20, or same neighborhood as you. So uh, Chiefs uh, by multiple scores over the Ravens on Sunday night. And now let's pick the rest of these week two games, starting with tonight's game in Washington, where the New York Giants travel to 
Washington to take on the Washington football team. Uh, even though uh, it's the Taylor Heineke show, I trust that Washington defense to make most of the big plays in an ugly, low-scoring game, and they win 17-9. to Yeah, I, I think we'll see a few more points. I don't think, um, you know, it, it's a tough call, but I'm, I'm going with Washington as well. Um, I've got it 24-21 to 21 over the G-Men on Thursday night football. Yes, uh, that would uh, not surprise me either because uh, division games are different indeed. And the 49ers staying on the East Coast, traveling to Philly to take on Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. I smell an upset in this game. The 49ers are absolutely decimated in their secondary. uh, And uh, the Eagles have top five offensive and defensive lines. They could control the line of scrimmage against the 49ers who are pretty strong on both sides of the line of scrimmage as well. And uh, given uh, the fact that the 49ers are decimating the secondary, that uh, leaves open just enough big plays by Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith to pull off the upset. I am going with the Eagles as my upset special. Oh, I like that. David, very bold, very bold. I'm not as bold as you. I, I think the 49ers, um, you know, I need to see a little bit more out of Philadelphia. Uh, I thought they, I don't think the offense is going to come back as strong this week. So I applaud your boldness, but I have San Francisco winning uh, 27 to 17 over Philadelphia. Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams fresh off after a historic performance with Matthew Stafford being like, I believe the first quarterback to post a perfect passer rating in his first game with his new team traveling to any to take on Carson Wentz and the Colts. The Colts had a very hard time with Shane Waldron and that new Seahawks uh, offensive system. Uh, and Sean McVay obviously runs uh, the godfather of that system, Shane Waldron from the McVay tree. And uh, they absolutely had a hard time with it uh, last week. They're going to have a hard time with it this week, especially since it doesn't look like Xavier Rhodes is going to be able to go. And even if he does go, he's going to be far from 100%. I like the Rams. Yeah, I I like the Rams too. I expect Indianapolis to bounce back, especially on defense this week. Um, You know, I I don't know what happened with them, but they just were manhandled both sides of the ball, Uh, you know, Carson Wentz, you look at his stats and you go, oh, that wasn't too bad, but that was all garbage time. It was garbage, garbage, garbage. So, you know, I I really think Indy's going to fight back and play a little bit better, but Carson Wentz, I've got to go with the Rams in this one. Uh, I'll take the Rams uh, a little bit closer, but 31 to 27 over Indy. The Broncos, my Denver Broncos, who you were right about last week. I told you. You told me that they wouldn't have any problems with the Giants. They traveled to Duval this weekend to take on Trevor Lawrence of the Jaguars, who absolutely got punched in the mouth by the Houston Texans. Oh, my goodness. Hal, what do you think is going to happen in this game? I think it's going to be the education of Trevor Lawrence in this game. Um, He's going to see some stuff he's never seen before on the football field on defense. He's going to feel the pressure. He's going to look a little bit like a rookie. And then he's going to come back and he's going to make a handful of amazing throws, just like he did last week, where you go, okay, now I see. He looks like Peyton Manning as a rookie. That's all. No problem. He's he's a year away. Let's get him educated. So, yeah, this is going to get ugly, and I think it's going to get ugly early. I have Denver in a bloodbath, 30 to 13 over Jacksonville. I want to trust you again, Hal, but I don't think I can. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's, with all the injuries the Broncos quarter, have, gonna, nah, all the injuries the Broncos have, Trevor Lawrence is going to have a lot of opportunities to shred them. And Urban Meyer, I think, is going to want to use this game as motivation to show the world, hey, I can coach in the NFL. <laughs> that said, I am going to take the Broncos I'll beat in a much closer game with the Jaguars covering the six-point spread, but I hope you are right and I'm wrong once again. (laughs) And the team that took care of the Jaguars last week, the Houston Texans, traveled to Cleveland to take on the Browns. The Cleveland Browns came oh so close to pulling off an upset at Arrowhead last week, 
And even though the Texans might have looked impressive last week, I think they come down to earth this week and the Browns uh, take care of them pretty handily. Yeah, I mean, this should be one of those. This is, again, one of those games we're looking at and we're saying, ah, you 450 yards of offense last week. Sure, but that was against Jacksonville. And, you know, um, Tyrod Taylor is not a bad quarterback. He's had bad luck, I think, in the NFL, um, but he's not a bad quarterback. Um, you know, Mark Ingram, not a bad running back. You know, um, Brandon Cooks, not a bad wide receiver. They've got players in Houston. And I almost looked at this game and said, you know, this would be one hell of an upset special right here because I could see Cleveland. If, if Cleveland had won last week in Kansas City, coming out and saying, we're just going to roll our helmets on the field. We got this one. But that loss is still stinging in Cleveland. And I think Houston's going to put up a heck of a fight, and it's going to be way closer than most people are, are expecting this game to be. But I think Cleveland's going to pull it out, but 27 to 25. Ooh, nothing surprises me in the NFL, though. That wouldn't be surprising <laughs> either. Good call there, Hal. I like your boldness there. And the Raiders, fresh off their impressive Monday night victory over the Baltimore Ravens, traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Now, when I look at this game, I look at a matchup between two really suspect offensive lines against Mm-hmm. Two amazing defensive fronts. Uh, obviously, the Steelers' front is amazing. TJ Watt, running defensive player of the year. Melvin Ingram showed last week he's got Ooh, plenty yeah. left in the tank opposite him. And Cam Hayward in the middle. Uh, and the Raiders, uh, Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby, they're no slouches. Uh, yes, uh, they might have been uh, booing Villanueva, but uh, uh, they showed that uh, the Raiders might have some punch on defense this year at the very, very least. And but let's say the Steelers actually lost last week. We would have been focused on, oh, my God, they got a Ben Roethlisberger problem because Ben Roethlisberger looks old. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I believe this is going to be a defensive battle. But at the end of the day, it comes down to who is the better quarterback and who can make the right plays at the right time. Right now, it's Derek Carr. I'm going with the Raiders on the road. Beep, 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 beep. I'm with you, David. No. That was my upset special. You know, I mean, the I mean, the first half last week, that Steelers offense was just dreadful. I never saw a, I mean, oh, it was the worst thing I've ever seen. I, I I was digging the grave for the Steelers 2021 season before that fourth quarter, let me tell you. And you know, even though they won no, not impressive. That offensive line gave Najee Harris nowhere to run. Um, ben Roethlisberger did not look comfortable. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going with the Raiders as well. And, you know, I'm the one who, who sat here and said the Raiders are getting smoked by Baltimore last week. I couldn't have been more wrong. So let's give it to the Raiders. Uh, let's um, uh, maybe not overtime this week, but let's say a last second field goal, 24-21 over Pittsburgh. The Cincinnati Bengals, after we chastised them all preseason long with a oh. very impressive victory last week over the Vikings at the final tick in overtime, traveling to Chicago to take on Andy Dalton and oh. the Chicago Bears. And I'm a Bears fan as well, as you know, and I just am losing total trust in Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy to capitalize on Justin Fields. I am just losing it completely. And the fact that they are not starting him right now, we'll get into that later. Uh, dare I say it's just criminal. It just is. Can you think of anything Amen. that Andy Dalton does better than Justin Fields? I can't. Wear a baseball hat? Hold the clipboard? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm running out of ideas here. <laughs> yeah. But uh, outside of the quarterback position, this Bears roster is just absolutely garbage, dare I say. Oh, my God. Their defense just isn't elite anymore. Their secondary is just awful. And unless Khalil Mack and 
Akeem Hicks could take advantage of that bad bagels offensive line. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are going to have a field day at Soldier Field on Sunday. And I am going to bet on the Bengals to beat the Bears on Sunday. As uh, long as Justin Fields doesn't start the game, the Bengals should win. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, the, the best bet for the Bears is that uh, Dalton gets knocked out in the first quarter. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's not, you know, uh, the Bengals, man, you know, Joe Burrow was the number one pick overall last year for a reason. And, and, you know, he came back and he was ready to play. He had a great game last week, Joe Mixon, great job, great job up front by the Cincinnati offensive line. I was just so impressed watching the Bengals and now I'm looking at them and I'm going, okay, Minnesota win. They're at the Bears. Okay, I can see a W there. I, I've got them down as a W this week with you, David. 27-17. But then I start thinking, at Pittsburgh, Jacksonville. Well, wait a minute. Green Bay, that might be a little closer than we thought. At the Lions? Well, they could be going into week seven with the Ravens in a first-place battle right there. That could be a huge game. Both teams 4-2. I mean. The Bengals, I want to believe. I want to believe. So this week, I'm with you. 27-17, Bengals over the hapless Bears. Yes, and having Andy Dalton lose his former team and getting schooled by Joe Burrow, hopefully that is a wake-up call for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace to do the right thing ASAP. And the New Orleans Saints, after their shellacking of the Green Bay Packers, Traveling to Carolina to take on the Carolina Panthers coming off a hard-fought win over the New York Jets. And uh, the Saints, uh, they paid some heavy price for that uh, beatdown of the Packers. Uh, Marcus Davenport's out a couple weeks. Marshawn Lattimore, who signed that big fat contract the morning of the game, uh, is out a couple weeks with the thumb surgery. And uh, yes, uh, Eric McCoy, their center, was just placed on short-term IR, I believe. But you could slide in Cesar Ruiz. Uh, to replace him there. That shouldn't be a problem. But I still expect that Saints defense to make life very miserable for Sam Darnold. I like the Saints in this one. Yeah, I it, it's I really want to go with Carolina. It's mm. just the Sam Darnold factor. You know, is Darnold good enough to beat the Saints? At, in the, uh, I, I just, you know, I want to do it so bad. I, I want to pick this as, you know, another upset special because, you know, but I've got to ground myself. I've got to say Carolina, you did that against the rookie in his first game uh, and Zach Wilson on a bad, bad team. Um, you're not quite that good in New Orleans. I mean, you went up against, you know, the team that supposed to be challenging Tampa Bay and I thought New Orleans would keep it close last week. I did not anticipate that beat down. So I think New Orleans plenty in the tank to take it this week. Um, I've got them at 26 to 16 over Carolina. And your New England Patriots after a gut wrenching loss at home to the Dolphins might have a get well game this week as they travel to East Rutherford to take on Zach Wilson and the New York Jets, albeit an ailing New York Jets team, especially on that offensive line with big Mackay Becton out these next four to five weeks with the knee issue. And uh, I think that alone uh, and also the injuries they suffered in the secondary is enough for me to favor the Patriots in this game. It's going to be very close and very hard fought because uh, Robert Sala, uh, he might not get a lot of wins this year, but he is going to have that team playing its heart out every single Sunday and uh, being in the game for as long as possible and showing exactly why he was hired. Uh, and I definitely like the long-term trajectory of the Jets, but this year, as Robert Sala himself expects, I believe, uh, there's going to be growing pains and the growing pains continue on Sunday with a home loss to Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. Yeah, I, I think, you know, um, for the Jets, I just don't have the just don't have the horses to match up. And for New England, they may have lost the game, but that was definitely a win. The performance of Mac Jones, 
He didn't fumble the ball twice. He didn't drop the pass that ended a drive that ended up in a field goal. Um, you know, yes, there were horrible penalties around him, but let's face it, the Dolphins, I mean, Brian Flores threw the kitchen sink at this kid in his first NFL start, and he stood back there, and he took the hits, and he moved in the pocket just like some quarterback that used to play in New England, wore number 12, would do that little slide step to the left or the right. I was so impressed with Mac Jones. I can't, he, he played so much better than I expected in week one. And the, the Jets defense is just not the Dolphins defense right now. Let's face it. Um, he should have a much easier time. So I've got the Patriots 23 to 16 over the Jets. Uh, take nothing away from the Jets, though, because uh, they fought hard. And like you said, they're taking on that personality of their head coach. It's what uh, good head coaches do. And uh, you're going to see some upsets coming from the Jets at some point, because I'll tell you, Zach Wilson, some of those plays that he made in the second half of that game, uh, whew, boy, that is an athletic specimen right there. And what a gun. So they're going to be fun to watch this year. No doubt about it. They most certainly are. And the other AFC East matchup this week at the Buffalo Bills, hoping to get off the schneid after that uh, devastating loss to the Steelers in week one, traveled to Miami to take on the Dolphins coming off that hard fought win over the Patriots. But I don't mean to uh, be mean to the Dolphins here. Uh, they're a very rock solid football team. I love their coach, Brian Flores, but last week uh, was kind of a lucky win, so to speak, because the Patriots rarely lose games where they dominate time of possession like that. And the Dolphins were just fortunate. They were up to the test to stop them when they needed to be, but I don't think they're going to be as fortunate against a hungry bills team coming off that loss to, to the Steelers. And, uh, my man, Darius Rucker, a big Dolphins fan. He's going to be singing the national anthem of that game, but uh, I love your music, Darius. I listen to it every day, but I'm sorry you're not going to experience a win on Sunday. It is going to be the Bills bouncing back after week one over the Dolphins. Yeah, and, and you said it. The Dolphins, that, that's another tough team, and we saw it last week, you know, forcing the turnovers, drawing the penalties. Um, and on the other hand, you know, Jalen Waddell uh, definitely looked the part of that first round pick, no doubt about it. And there's reinforcements coming in the wide receiver core for Miami as well. Um, I, I can't imagine Buffalo starting 0-2 to start this year after the season they had last year. But what the heck, I think the Dolphins will figure out a way. Uh, just like they did in week one. I'll give it to Miami 24 to 22 in a stunning start for the Bills now at 0-2. Ooh, another upset special. Good one, Hal. I like your boldness there. And the Minnesota Vikings, after that devastating loss to the Bengals, traveling to Arizona to take on Kyler Murray, Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, and the Arizona Cardinals. I just don't think the Vikings can hang with the Cardinals. I think this is going to be a relatively easy win for Arizona. That Vikings offensive line is going to be no match for Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, Zayvon Collins, Isaiah oh. Simmons, that amazing underrated Arizona defensive front. Uh, they're going to just dominate the line of scrimmage against Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. Cousins is going to have a very, very hard time getting in rhythm. And uh, Kyler Murray should be able to do enough of his business against that Vikings defense. Cardinals come away with a 31-17 win or so. I think it'll be a little closer. I think Minnesota, not quite as bad as they looked last week. Arizona, not quite as dominating as they were last week. But that said, um, I still can't pick Minnesota over Arizona right now. So I'll, I'll make it a little bit closer. I'll give it a 27 to 24 Arizona over the Vikings. Yes, a, we definitely can expect a Mike Zimmer coach team to play substantially better than they did last week against the Bengals. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did keep it closer than I personally think it's going to be. Now, this is my lock of the week. The Atlanta Falcons... <laughs> Absolutely no offensive line and no defensive line stands Grady Jarrett going up against the Buccaneers who are still dominant in the trenches on that offensive line and that defensive line. 
Yes, uh, they had a hard time uh, last week, but that was against Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Matt Ryan is getting old and getting old fast. The Falcons, they're going to be a, just a five, six win team at best. The Buccaneers might go back to the Super Bowl and heck might go back to back. Uh, Bucks over Falcons, my lock of the week. Yeah, uh, there's they're not going to be many people picking Atlanta here this week, David. I got to go with your, I, I agree with your luck. I just don't understand how Tennessee can miss Arthur Smith so much last week. And yet Arthur Smith couldn't do anything in his, with Atlanta. So how can you be missed there for your offensive genius and put up six lousy points at the same time? I, I, it, I'm at a loss, but yeah, I think uh, Tampa Bay is going to have no problem here on this game. Um, I'll give Atlanta a few garbage touchdowns in the fourth quarter to make it a make it look closer than it actually was. Um, but easy win, 34 to 20, Tampa over Atlanta. And speaking of the Titans, they go on the road to face Russell Wilson and the Seahawks this week. And now I personally agree with you that the Titans are going to play much better, especially on offense this week. But that defense is just awful. Bud Dupree paying him all that money. The Steelers upgraded on Bud Dupree with Melvin Ingram, you could say, arguably. And Bud Dupree, he's more of a complimentary guy. He can't lead a pass rush. He just can't. He's, he's more of that number two guy. Uh, when you have a number two pass rusher leading your pass rush, you have none. You have no pass rush. I'm sorry. You just do not. And that young secondary um, experienced a lot of growing pains last week against uh, DeAndre Hopkins and A.J. Green and Christian Kirk and that Cardinals offense. They're going to experience similar pains against DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett in that Seahawks aerial attack this week. Uh, the Titans keep it closer than expected, but I think the Seahawks pull away in the end 35-24. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, we've talked about the Titans all, all throughout this pod. And, you know, they're just the offense isn't as bad as it looked last week. And yes, the defense is as bad as it was last year, but that team somehow won 11 games, right? I mean, they somehow put together the W's. I don't know quite how, but they did it. And you know what? They're going to do it this week. 34-33 Tennessee over Seattle. I've got this one. The offensive, you like offense? Bet the over. This is the game right here. Tennessee squeaks it out. 34-33. Hell with another bold upset special. And speaking of bold upset specials, are you ready to pick the Lions over the Packers? No. <laughs> All right, let me go through the foot. Oh, I'm looking at my chicken wings here. Yeah, yeah, mild. No, no, there's no super spicy extra bold here on that matchup, David. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> I'll I'll get I'll tell you what though I bet golf gets a lot of uh, pass completions and touchdowns and garbage time again. <laughs> I think he's going to be the new garbage king here. So uh, I'll give him a couple for that. But Green Bay, no Aaron Rodgers bouncing back this week, thirty-eight twenty-three. I like the Packers in this game too, and. I do have some boldness in this game, and that brings us to our bold prediction segment, oh. and I will go first this week. My bold prediction is that Aaron Rodgers roars back with a vengeance against the Lions on Monday night, throwing an NFL record eight touchdown passes Whoa. in a single game. That is my bold prediction. Oh, my God. I did that. That is bold, David. Oh, my God. I can't even... I can't even touch that, but I'll try. Okay. So my bold prediction. So I've got my upset special of Tennessee over Seattle here. So the, uh, where are they getting these 34 points? I'll tell you, it's not Julio Jones. It's AJ Brown. And the bold prediction is yes. 10 receptions. No problem. 200 yards. No problem. Three touchdowns. Why the heck not? Give him four for A.J. Brown. He's going to carry that Tennessee team like he's carrying defenders for Seattle as well. 
And that's my bold prediction. I have AJ Brown and Ryan Tanhill on one of my fantasy teams. Please be right to a degree there. Oh my God. And now it is time to throw our challenge flags for week two. Hal, you go first here. Well, yeah, I've been, I've apparently been all Tennessee all day. So why go anywhere else? Mike Vrabel, I've put myself out there for you this week. Okay, buddy. You've got a Julio Jones. You've got that offense. You've had all offseason to get this defense on track. You and Shane Bowen figure out some way to hold an opponent under 30 points sometimes. I don't want to see anything like Arizona last week. Here's my challenge flag, Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel. I'm going to be like the Cromulons, those giant floating heads in Rick and Morty. Show us what you've got. Very good challenge flag, Cal. And my challenge flag obviously goes to Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. You two are on the hot seat. Yes, you drafted Justin Fields, Ryan Pace, but it only gives you a reprieve and nothing more. If you want to increase the odds of keeping your jobs long-term, the only way to do so is to start Justin Fields right now. Give me a break with all this fear of, oh, we're gonna, he's going to be broken if we start him soon. Tell that to Cam Newton. Tell that to... Uh, Joe Burrow, he, he's fine where he's at right now. Tell that to Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert just uh, waited just one game and he was Offensive Rookie of the Year last year and he's already become a top five quarterback. Justin Fields is a similar, similar talent to Justin Herbert. The only way to save your jobs is to play your star quarterback and your star quarterback is not wearing number 14. And his name is not Andy Dalton. He's wearing number one, and his name is Justin Fields. So if you want to keep your jobs, start Justin Fields, A-S-A-P. And how bet he is from fullpresscoverage.com and bostonsportpage.com. Follow him on Twitter at HalBent01. Hal, thank you so much once again for joining me to preview another exciting week of NFL football. That is it for today here on Sports Quest, but we'll be back next week to recap week two, preview week three, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow Hale on Twitter, as I alluded to, at HaleBent01. And you can also follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 and on Instagram at SportsCrunch with dcrom. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. For Hal Bent, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, stay safe, stay sane. And if you haven't done so yet, please get your COVID-19 vaccine. I promise you that it will literally, literally help save your life. But if you don't want a vaccine, just please do whatever your company or your boss or the law or the health recommendations require to protect yourself and your friends. Take care, all you cats, kittens, and stay cool. Stay cool.